Cerca il lancio per Candreva, buono l'aggancio in aria, tocco sotto Candreva, proprio Candreva, un meraviglioso gol dell'ex all'Olimpico, 1-1. Hello and welcome to say a Spotlight Season 2 Episode 12 with your host Jake and Matt here to take you through all the events of Match Day 12 in Serie A. Happy Halloween guys, a very happy Halloween to all of you, sorry that we... You know, delayed the last episode. Actually, we didn't record the last episode, but the person to my right was absolutely dead. Yes, I was incredibly sick. I think one of the the worst illnesses I've had in my life. I had an infection in my intestine, guys, and <laughs> it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the couch trying to play some FIFA, you know, since um, we, we didn't record, obviously. Jake was dying. He was asleep on the sofa. I said, fuck it. I can catch up with my Venezia career mode start playing all of a sudden jake starts puking into a bucket like <laughs> i'm off like i can't do with this. a whole lot of this in between <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me so much anxiety man so uh, that was that was the reason guys we contemplated me doing a solo episode but fuck that for yeah for I've, your sake i've attempted that before it's no fun bro exactly even though in between puke Puking, you were still trying to get me to do it. Yes, but. I was trying my best anything for the listeners, bro. And, course, and we prepped. Of course. We prepped. That's the annoying thing. We had all the prep work done. Yeah. But I, I just wasn't fit to record. And it was really. such a good week, man. It was such a good week of football. Yeah. So no, many big games. No problem. This is an even better week of football. This is bro. an even better one. Our goal of the week goes to Candreva. Agreed. Fantastic goal against... Lazio for exactly. Salernitana, the 3-1 victory. Um, Matsoki played a long ball to him over the top. He took it down perfectly and with the second touch, he saw the goalkeeper off his line and just shipped it perfectly right over him. What yeah. a goal. Go check it out if you hadn't. He was fucking literally grinning from ear to ear, man. Exactly. And it was against his former team, so he couldn't celebrate, but he was yeah. smiling. Exactly. <laughs> he just stood there smiling. Now, great honorable mentions go to Correa. For a, a solo wonder strike, he basically took on two players, carried the ball from his own half, bashed it into the top corner from distance. That would normally yeah. be a goal of the week. But when you see a stroke of genius, such a strategic finish, like I think you have to give him the cake. Um, and there was also Barella, who also took a long ball down beautifully, a bastone long ball. He took the ball down with one leg and then just canted it into the roof of the net with the other yeah, one. On another Brilliant level, one. these guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, but on to our Serie spotlight slips. We lost. Yep. We bet that Atalanta would win or draw versus Empoli, given Empoli's um, tendency of drawing 1-1 yeah. against virtually any opponent. And their history against Atalanta. We yeah. saw it wasn't like their last match. This, this fixture last season was an Empoli victory. And I know yeah. it's different Empoli. It was Empoli under Andrea Zoli. It was Atalanta against Gasparini's first version and not his second version. Yeah, man. But yeah, history does tend to repeat itself no matter what. For sure. And that's why we were a bit hesitant over here. And we, we've seen how Udinese have been doing and we bet for them to beat Cremonese outright. Probably one of the worst teams in the league at the moment, yeah. especially defensively. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Udinese Cremonese came nil nil. Yeah, in the Eze Derby, we knew something was brewing for the Eze Derby. Yeah. Um, we didn't think it was going to be a nil nil. We didn't think so. We're like, ah, 
when it was like the 65th minute, we're still kind of chill. We're like, ah, because the Nesa yeah. get their work done in the 70th, no? Exactly. Just didn't get their work done. They just looked frustrated the entire game. And then game, they were at the end. Mud done now with the last kick of the fucking game. Ugh. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 25 euro, going strong. Exactly. Wink, okay. wink. So guys, if you want to stay up to date with our bets, um, our social media, our content, things like that, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter at Seiya Spotlight. And please be sure to rate us five stars on the podcasting platform you listen to us on. Exactly. Before we get into it, guys, as per usual, just going to take you through the 10 matches that we're going to be covering. The first one we're going to be covering is Napoli's walkover of Sassuolo, 4-0 there. At this at the stadio Diego Armando Maradona. The second game was the bet that we actually got right. It was Empoli nil Atalanta two. The third game is one that hopefully we won't be addressing for too long. It was Torino two Milan one. That was a pure Halloween nightmare. Uh, Verona one Roma three. Roma left it late, but they managed to get the W. Lazio one Salernitana three. Probably the most shocking result this time round. Inter 3, Sampdoria 0, another Halloween nightmare. Lecce 0, Juve 1, Juve do it in Juve fashion. Cremonese 0, Udinese 0 in the EZ derby. Spezia 1, Fiorentina 2, Fiorentina back to winning ways. And to end things off, it's Monza 1, Bologna 2. And before jumping into the action, just to make sure we get everything right this Mm -hmm. time, our boy Pablo, a very loyal listener, day one listener, literally, has sent us a voice note. Explaining to us how to pronounce certain Dutch player names. Exactly. So we're going to take it as a bit of a lesson and we're going to educate you guys while we're being educated. Exactly. So let's learn together and let's try this out. And please remember, repeat after Pablo. Exactly. Hello, guys. I'm listening to your podcast right now. I love it. It's great as always. Nice. Uh, super interesting. Legend. And um, I thought, you know, in case you're interested, I could... Um, pronounce some Dutch player names for you because I noticed uh, understandably of course uh, they can be a bit hard to pronounce for people who don't speak Dutch so um, let's start with Atalanta you have Deroen Coop Miners and Coop Miners Coop Miners is it Coop Coop Miners Coop Miners I think it's Coop okay Coop Miners it's Hateboer. Okay. Hateboer. Hans Hateboer. Then you have De Vrij. 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 Let me try it again. Let me try it again. De Vrij. Great. <laughs> that was perfect. Thank you. Uh, and Dumfries. 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 Uh, at Inter. And then there is, I think now there is Zergze. It's a Zergze. Zergze. Okay. Zergze. So Zergze. Same. Bologna. Uh, yeah, those are the players that I can think of right now. And I just noticed uh, Schurs from Torino. Schurs. 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 And I thought of, he's Belgian, but it's a Dutch name. Uh, the Ketelare from Milan. Okay. The Ketelare. The Ketelare. The Ketelare. Nice. 
How do you feel? To be honest, I'm still kind of mesmerized by Pablo's beautiful voice. <laughs> He has a very calming <laughs> wow, voice. Wow, dude, yeah. Like, I need him as a therapist, like, just to calm me down, speak some sense into me. Yeah, man. So if you take that that service, Pablo, hit us up. Yes, please. And even if you do some audiobooks or things, yeah, please let me know. Exactly. Um, I would love to just, you know, change. <laughs> You know, start like implementing these. You know, I think the only one realistically I can like, like you know, I'm gonna say Dumfries every time I speak. Mm. Dumfries, this isn't natural to me at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll yeah. try to. to uh-huh. It's it's to more say, the, for example. the the accents, like the the vrai. Yeah, the, and it's those that simply don't roll off mm-hmm. the tongue for me, and I feel like I'd be making too much effort every single time I say someone's name. Yeah. Like, how many times have we been told that is the The Ketelara, the Ketelara, yeah. and just the Ketelar. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it, it, it rolls off the tongue. Yeah, we can try. I, I, I can like Zergzei. Zergzei Zerg is Zerg, wicked. I Zerg like Zergzei. It makes yeah. it sound way more fun. It's true. But, But yeah, that, that's, a, that's a nice little lesson. Thank you very much, Pablo. Thank you, Pablo. Really appreciate you, bro. Exactly. Um, Napoli 4, Sassuolo 0. Right into Straight it. Straight into right it. it. Fucking annihilation at the Maradona. Fucking, they need to calm down, these guys, man. Yeah, man. And guess how much they came in their previous encounter, these guys? Ah. Uh. 6-1 to Napoli. Fuck, man. Um, Sassuolo scored when they were <laughs> 6-0 down that game. I don't know how the hell they, they found it in them. <laughs> Legends. But anyway, um, Napoli, bro, mm-hmm. are unbeaten in their last 16 Serie A matches. This wow. is the longest ongoing streak in Europe's top five leagues. You know when this fucking streak began? The streak must have began last season towards the end, no? When they beat Sassuolo 6-1. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. We've come full circle, baby. Amazing. Yeah. Great content, bro. Thank you very much. So Napoli lined up with Meret in goal, their usual 4-3-3 formation. D. Lorenzo on the right and the best player in the world on the left with Mario Rui. <laughs> Ming J. Kim and Juan Jesus formed the centre-back duo. The midfield three were Zelinski, Lobotka and Anguissa with Gvaratskelia on the left, Lozano on the right and Victor Ozimen in the middle. Madonna. Yeah. Sassuolo also with a 4-3-3 formation, um, but much worse. Consili <laughs> in goal, Tolian and Rogerio out wide with Ferrari and Ehrlich at the back. Fratesi, Lopez and Tordsvet were in the middle. Pinamonti up front with uh, Seide and Laurent. Uh, Laurent? Laurent? We need, we need more lessons. Yeah, we yeah. need more lessons. Lauriente, I guess. Lauriente, yes, out wide. Great game, to be honest. Um, it started off with, um, you know how typically we always say, the game started off with Rahmani charging down the middle and smashing yeah. the po- crossbar. It started exactly the same way, but this time Di Lorenzo scored. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was just four minutes down. Di Lorenzo charged down the right, crossed it into the area to find Gvaratskelia, who flicked it in the air to Oziman at the far post to control it, acrobatically brilliant control, and tapped it in home. Um, obviously, Moscow instantly for for Ozyman, you know, celebrations yeah. straight to the fans. Um, shambolic defending over here by Sassuolo. Of course, they allowed mm-hmm. more space. Ozyman completely free at the far post. This will prove to be a theme as the game yeah. progresses. One nil Napoli. Shortly after this, Mario Rui got the ball from a distance. He chopped and had it. 
blasting the ball, um, which is fingertip saved by Consili onto yeah. the crossbar. And that would, um, that would have been some goal. True. In the 19th minute, Kvartskelia terrorized the right, just like Stalin. He squared it to Oziman, who tapped it in. Um, two nil Napoli. In the 36th minute, Mario Rui gave an amazing ball over the top to Kvartskelia, who took a great touch and slammed it home. This time it was his turn to score. Um, he was on. He got one goal and two assists this game. Quite, a, quite an amazing performance by him. By the 38th minute, bro, they were just crossing the ball to uh, Gvaratskeli on the edge of the area and he was trying acrobatic finishes. I swear to God, they did this like three, four times, I swear. It's quite quite crazy um, the amount of freedom Sassuolo yeah. gave Napoli. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, Thorzved, bro, he had an empty post rebound basically and he missed it. Uh, mm. Shortly after, could have gotten them back into the game or given them a bit of hope, but in reality, yeah. yes, it was it was long gone. Yeah. Uh, Fratesi had a one-one-ish situation. He had the snapshot, um, but the shot was central. Mm. Um, yeah, and then eventually Traore played the ball back into the path of Oziman, who was through on goal. He tripped the goalkeeper to get his first ever Serie A hat trick. Amazing man. Four nil. Amazing Victor, motherfucking Oziman. He was uh, against you on Fanta as well, no? He and was, before yes. the game. <laughs> he was against me on one of them and on my team on the other. Nice. Yeah. And and um, I told you before the game, was he man hat trick? No? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Just before he even scored a single goal. Four minutes in, we're like, okay, it's happening. <laughs> was he man's first hat trick. See, our spotlight slips. <laughs> in the 84th minute, I forgot to mention, uh, Lorente had a very late tackle on Denman. Mm, yeah. And he got a red card for it. Exactly. But yeah, bro, um, what do you think of the game? I mean, like like you said, it doesn't seem like... I, it's either Sassuolo did not adapt correctly um, to Napoli's system, the way Napoli play. Um, but then, you know, when the it, it could very much be that either they weren't prepared or else when the game started, they were simply overwhelmed by the amount of quality and the amount mm. of speed and creativity that Napoli have in their team. Um the way Napoli shift play from one side to another and the amount of pace they have on each flank and the amount of creativity they have with players like Lobotka, Anguissa and Zielinski in the middle, they're just absolutely unstoppable at the moment. And if they keep on going on at this rate, they could genuinely go down as one of the greatest sides we've seen in Serie A, at least in recent history. They've looked fantastic and Sassuolo have made some serious strides when it comes to their defense, when it comes to building out the back. They didn't have any time to showcase any of that in the game. I mean, by the time it was the 36th minute, they were losing 3-0. Gvaratskelia was already on two assists and a goal, and Oziman was already on two goals. Yeah, uh, Unstoppable. Nothing Sassuolo could have done, man. Nothing they could have done. Yes, bro. And even though it sounds like um, you're being almost... Um, it's almost like you're excusing Sassuolo. Um, you're mm. not the only one to do so. Dionisi... Kind of had did the same thing during the uh-huh. uh, yeah during the post match interview. Um, he basically said that they deserved to lose, mm. but they didn't deserve to go down to ten, and that was basically his main his main point. Like that, the red card mm. was unde- undeserved. To be honest, it was harsh, uh-huh. but um, you know certain angles looked worse. 
Yeah. And I he mean, also said that Thor's vet is adapting slowly. And um, when they asked him, like, what about Ozzyman just running rampant against your defense? He said, doesn't Ozzyman run rampant against everyone? To which he's right. But this was <laughs> his first ever Serie A hat-trick. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was. I think it's been coming a, mm-hmm. a, a long time, Ozzyman's first hat-trick. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, everything he says is, is pretty much bang on. And bear in mind Sassuolo quite a deflated side as well. You look at their front three. That's mm-hmm. not the front three we're used to seeing. Sadie on one side, Lauriento on the other, Pinamonti up front. I mean, Berardi, Traore, you know what I mean? Yes. So quite a deflated side as well. Normally, Sassuolo are capable of putting a lot of pressure on the opposition and kind of utilize their front three to the best of their abilities. They've, they've done this from season to season. Um, and, and even this season, even though their front three is significantly worse than, than it has been in the past. But th- again, they just didn't have the opportunity to showcase that. I mean, when they did have possession, which was only 33% ball possession, they had it in their half. They had yeah. it when they were trying to recover. <coughs> and Napoli didn't let them do anything. Sure, they got 10 shots away, but fucking none of them even posed any threat on Merit's goal. Honestly, yeah. Um, Ozzyman's hat-trick means that he's now the joint top scorer with Arnautovic Seven just goes to show like how well Arnautovic is doing If Ozzyman yeah. just put three past Sassuolo for the most informed side in the league mm-hmm. And he's only just caught up to Arnautovic Yeah um, Yeah, Gvaratskeli is on six goals this, this season already Madonna um, yeah. He's one behind Ozzyman One behind Ozzyman, one behind Arnautovic So yeah, that's quite crazy, man um, In my opinion, man, they're playing more for Ozzyman than they were last season I mean, and and that's the the point we brought about the point we brought up about Juve and Vlaovic last time. When you have a player who has those capabilities, fucking right, you need to of course yes. adapt, serve. Him. You need to serve them because at the end of the day, you win games by scoring goals. Sure, you can't concede, but if you can fucking score goals, it gives you a way better chance than your opposition. The fact that you can score against anyone is crazy. Ozzyman's one of those guys. He, he's a very well-rounded forward. He's tall. He's good in the air. He's very quick. His runs of the ball are incredible. He's very, very strong. And his finishing is excellent. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's, you put him in position, he's going to score. It doesn't seem like he's ever been affected by form. The only kind of spell that he had where he was on lower form was his first season when he just came into Italy and, and he was this party animal fucking the covid yeah. restrictions up the ass but now now he's he's settled in he's had season after season where he's shown us he's literally top two strikers in the league and there's absolutely no debate about it mm. man no debate it's true man a bit of continuity a bit more momentum and he'll he'll be a scary thing it's just he's stopped very frequently and i think that's what stopped it. that's what delayed his um seria hat trick you know, I mean, imagine he never broke his face. Imagine he yeah. never went through the whole COVID thing. Or his shoulder, remember? His shoulder, his the shoulder whole as well. He was just yeah. injured as it well, would, bro. He just yeah. came back and he's a joint Very top injured, scorer. But, but yeah, he's honestly such a special, special talent. Yeah. While we're on the topic of Napoli, I'd like to give a special shout out and thank you to Michaela, um, our... Yeah. Uh, listener who was at the Napoli game, she's a diehard Napoli fan. She sent us some, some a decent, real diehard yeah. guys, a real diehard. <laughs> she she's said, the heart of that support. Of honestly, Napoli. honestly knows all the songs, like <laughs> everything. She um, sent us some great content that you can find on our Instagram. Thank you very much, Michaela. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you. 
Napoli are currently in first with 32 points, while Sassuolo currently sit in 11th with 15 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Empoli nil Atalanta 2. So Empoli were coming off a 4-0 loss against Juve away from home, while Atalanta were coming off their first loss of the season, which was a 2-0 um, loss at home against Lazio. Um, Empoli won this fixture 1-0 last year, but have overall failed to score in 60% of their matches at home to Atalanta, which is fucking bizarre. Going into the lineup, so Empoli were still missing Alberto Grassi and Lorenzo Tonelli, but they still lined up in their 4-3-3 formation with Vicario between the sticks. Ebuehi on the right, Kakace on the left with Luperto and De Winter as the back two. Bandinelli, Marin and Henderson formed the midfield three with Piaka and Bayrami out wide flanking Mattia Destro. For Atalanta, classic 3-5-2, Musso on goal with Toloi, Demiral and Scalvini at the back. Hatteber and Mele out wide with Pasalic, Ederson and Cope Miners. Very good. Thank you. In the middle, <laughs> Hoyland and Lukman up front. Atalanta had Muriel suspended. They had Deron and Zappa Costa injured. Plus Zapata not fully fit. However, Musso and Toloi had returned after, after long layoffs, essentially. So the scoring was opened in the 32nd minute thanks to Hans Hartebur. After <laughs> I'm overdoing it. Dude, now, you're killing it. I'm dude. killing it. You're killing it. Thank you, Pablo. Young Pablo. So in the 32nd minute, there was a blocked shot that landed to the path of Hartebur, who slotted in with an oncoming misbalanced Vicario. Nothing he could have done about that. The ball was literally flinging all over the place. But then it was just before halftime where a penalty was awarded to Atalanta. Destro blocked Lukman's free kick with his elbow. Now his arms were tucked in, but his elbow was somewhat out. Some say it's controversial. Ref says yellow card, in my opinion, and at least was a penalty. Maybe the yellow card was a bit harsh. In my opinion, it was a penalty though. Um, Coke Miners steps up, but brilliant save by Vicario. He goes the wrong way. Coke Miners goes down the middle. But he saves it with his leg, and you could see him extending his leg perfectly to stop the shot. Love this guy. He's just too good, man. 59th minute, Adamola Lukman scored. He was inside the box. He cut in on his favorite right foot, fainted past two players, and slotted it into the near bottom corner. That's his fifth goal of the season. In the 83rd minute, Ebuehi tapped the ball into an empty net after a scramble inside the box, essentially, but it was deemed offside. Game ended Empoli nil, Atalanta 2. What did you make of this game, bro? A very mature display by Atalanta to continue proving what we've essentially been raving on about and what every journalist, to be honest, has been, has been talking about. They just look so composed, like no room for error with these guys. Mm. Um, Empoli are They looked quite structured to me Quite you know Quite yeah. a solid tough side But Atalanta eventually managed to open them up With that goal in the 32nd minute Exactly and, and I mean What's impressive about Atalanta And this match in particular Is it's not easy coming off a devastating defeat And your first defeat of the season Which they just had against Lazio But they came back and it's like nothing happened <laughs> They kept their system They remained calm and subsequently, they managed to walk away with a very convincing three points. Um, Duvan Zapata, obviously, he's been out injured. He's been being reintroduced to the side 
slowly, slowly. I mean, you look at the guy two seasons ago and he was literally up there with one of the best, uh, as one of the best strikers in the league. Now it seems like he might have some more work to do than he would have liked mm-hmm. coming back into the team. Do you think his place up front is at risk? I mean, there's Muriel, there's um, Hoy- sorry, Hoyland, um, there's Lookman as well. Do you think he'll slot right back in or is there a lot no, of No, he certainly doesn't slot right back in. And the Zapata we've seen in the last two seasons isn't the Zapata of the past. Um, same can be said about Muriel. To mm, be honest with you, very true. But um, Lookman right now is indispensable, and then there's the other, the other slot up front which uh, is up for grabs, right? Yeah. So I think it's the who performs best that week, or who's better suited for the game. We know Gasparini. We know that he he wouldn't even be against like playing one of them for a half and a different one for another half. You know, I mean, he does yeah. that very often in different positions. That's true. Um, still on the topic of Atalanta, Cope Miners obviously missed the penalty. It was a great save by Vicario. Obviously, he's, he's had a fantastic season thus far. However, mm-hmm. we have seen players that have had, like, I don't know, missed a penalty or missed a great chance, and then their season has taken mm. a turn for the worse. So, let's switch. I think this is the, the first penalty that he's missed in I, Serie A. I thought he missed another one. Um, I'm not sure if it was in Serie A. Though. I remember him missing another one, Cope Miners. Okay. Uh, Miners. I might be <laughs> mistaken. Um, it, it, it could though, be my memory is yeah. is failing me. But but he has been a, a set piece specialist for yes. for Atalanta. So this is definitely gonna gonna hurt him a bit. We'll we'll see what what happens. We'll see. I think he'll he'll be okay though. Um, will he take the next one? Um, I certainly don't think he takes penalties when Muriel is on the pitch. Mm, I think he has on a couple of occasions. Yeah. Again, we know Gasparini, and we know that there's. A lot of mind games when it comes to every single little decision that mm. the team makes. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has something up. Also, shout out to the denim shirt Gasparini was wearing. It was very nice. It was very nice. It it, it was very Jamie. Yeah, I, I thought that, that look. Yeah, he looked he looked younger with it. To be honest, I guess. I mean, it's no Botox and fillers. You yeah. know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as effective. <laughs> exactly, but it did something. Um, yeah, but Atalanta are good, conservative, y'all know the rest. Um, let's move a bit to Empoli. So the main difference between Empoli this season and last season is obvious. It's the change in managers, the change in system. There was Andrea Zoli's play style last year where <laughs> Empoli were shocking. They were devastating, but they didn't kind of prepare for the team that's in front of them. Versus Zanetti, where it's kind of like they almost prepare too much in inverted commas for the for the team in front of them almost to the point that they lack a certain identity hmm. what do you make of of the change is it suiting Empoli better worse do you think they'll be better off at the end of the season so I think that um Empoli certainly have an identity this year I think they've brought this attractive play style to each and every one of their opponent like they they're hardly ever forced out of the game you know mm. there was the 4-0 against Juve which was bizarre to be mm-hmm. honest but other than that this season I thought that they've brought it to every one of their opponents each and every one of them um 
especially the the whole offensive flow. Sometimes I think they've tried to settle for a one 0 victory and it bit them in the ass on way too many occasions. Mm. Eventually, you know, which is why they one one. Which is why they struggled for for victories as well. Exactly. No, I'm not, I'm not saying they haven't had good performances. They've obviously had had good performances and. Like you said, they play the ball around nicely. They certainly have they, they certainly have struggled when it comes to killing games, like you mm-hmm. mentioned as well. But there isn't something remarkable about the Sempoli. There isn't something to write home about. It's almost like it's very average across the board. You wouldn't say, for example, I'm petrified of Empoli for this reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're stable, uh, but that's as far as it goes. Yeah, I, I guess the only thing you would be terrified of Empoli for is um, the fact that they can, they have what it takes to hold you to a draw. Exactly. And that's it, yeah. Exactly. They're a unit. Exactly. Um, but they're, you know, they're, again, they're, they're in a good position in the league right now. I mean, these were candidates for relegation. Yeah. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, and they're quite they're quite safe compared. They have double the amount of points that um, Verona and Cremonese do, for example, or Sampdoria. So, so yeah, I think their their trajectory is right. New manager, you know, kind of new players all around. I think they're doing quite well. Yep, agreed, agreed. I'd like to highlight Ras van Marin as well for another great performance. I think this man goes under the radar quite a bit. He really is True. A, a metronome for the team. Um, he had a 93% pass success succession rate in this game, and he also had four successful tackles as well. Yeah, so great game, buddy. great performance for him over there. Atalanta sit in second place on 27 points, um, just five points behind Napoli, just because there's such a long way to go. Yeah. Um, Empoli in 14th on 11 points, like Jake said, quite safe at the moment. The next game we're going to be discussing is Torino two. Milan won. The last encounter between Torino and Milan saw the two drawing nil-nil. Torino, prior to this game, had failed to score a single Serie A goal against Milan in their last 464 minutes of play. Jesus. They last scored against Milan prior to this game back in September 2019, thanks to a goal by, of course, Andrea Bellotti. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was also their last league victory against Milan prior to this. My God. Yeah, Milan's 17 run, Milan's run of 17 away victories has finally come to an end. Wow, 17, victor- 17 consecutive victories. Away victories, My yes. God. Um, undefeated, not victories. Undefeated, okay. Yes, okay. yes, undefeated, sorry. That's my bad. Now, Torino lined up with uh, their 3-4-2-1 formation with Vanya Milinkovic-Savic in goal, Bongiorno, Sures, and Gigi at the back. Very good. I don't know if that was very good, actually. But <laughs> Lazar on the left and Singo on the right. Ricci and Lukic in the middle with Pellegri up front, flanked by Vlasic and Miranchuk. For Milan, it was Tatarusano in goal with Kalulu on the right, Hernandez on the left. Tomori and Gabbia in the middle. The double pivot was Pobega and Tonali with Messias on the right. Leao on the left, Diaz in the middle and Origi up front. The game started off and Milan were tearing through the Torino defence like it was a six-pack of Moretti on a hot summer's day. (laughs) Two big misses by Leao early on, each one of them set up by Brahim Diaz, who was exceptional Mm -hmm. until he came off. He was forced off early. 
But anyway, um, Leao didn't seem to um, have his head on his shoulders from the very start of this game, and this would prove to be a theme for the rest of the game. Um, until eventually, in the 35th minute, it was Torino's turn to to actually, you know, knock at Milan's door. And how else would Milan concede? It was through a free kick by Lazaro. Um, he had, he whipped the ball in from quite a distance, um, a non-threatening area, to be yeah. honest. And Gigi headed the ball in of the post mm-hmm. for his first ever say a goal. Now, this man didn't even jump to head the ball. He kind of crouched down to head it. So it goes to show how free he was. Um, the classic, you know, zonal marking by Milan on set pieces, just not effective at yeah, all. agreed. I previously asked the question, how else would Milan concede? Two minutes later, they conceded through a saucy Russian. That is how. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He got the ball um, on the left-hand side after some chaos, basically. The ball ended up going through um, both Gabia and Tomori. Yeah. And Miranchuk just placed it um, into the bottom corner. I, I believe it was a long ball over the top that was headed poorly by Gabia that started off this whole, this mm. whole move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At halftime, Pioli reacted by making a triple substitution. He took out Kalulu, Diaz, and Leao. Mm-hmm. Now he took out Kalulu because uh, he injured his eyes, quite yeah. frankly, and he he was basically blind. I <laughs> he couldn't see anything. You could tell, like you know, when someone his eyes are bothering him, just always mm-hmm. rubbing them. He was basically doing that for the whole yeah. entirety of the half. Must have been very frustrating for him. But it's fine. Pioli is so inclusive that he replaced him with another blind footballer and brought on Dest. <laughs> exactly. So Sergio Dest came on um, in his stead. Uh, Decatelar and Rebic. Lovely. Very good. Let's go. So Milan started off. Okay, Rebic assumed the position of deep lying playmaker, <laughs> carrying, <laughs> carrying the ball from deep. You know, like yeah, a insignia. bunch of urgency, a bunch of urgency. Milan are two nil down. There's a whole lot of running, a whole lot of looking up and looking yeah. sideways quickly. There's a whole lot of panic, but virtually no action. Milan barely created any goal-scoring opportunities, bar one freak moment in the 67th minute where a long ball over the top saw Vanya Milinkovic-Savic coming off his line to to claim it. It was like the incestuous woman in uh, in Barbarian (laughs) leaving the house. (laughs) This massive guy off his line looks so weird. Like... um, Bonjourno got a touch to the ball and it completely threw Vanya Milinkovic-Savic off as he basically got dribbled by his own defender. Literally. Messias basically pulled Bonjourno to the ground <laughs> and scored from a distance. Um, in my opinion, that was a foul. Yeah, I think so as well. I think yes, so as well. We're, we're laughing about it. And I share this opinion with Ivan Juric who got sent off for protesting the, the validity of the goal, which fair yeah. enough. I mean, it was harsh. Uh, we've seen very we, we we've seen VAR calls for less than that. We've yes. seen um goals disallowed for way less than that. For sure. Agreed. But yeah, I mean the game pretty much after that. Again, a whole lot of hurrying by Milan, not nothing really created um Giroud came on in the 78th minute but they failed to give him any service yeah that's basically it what did you make of this game bro I mean it, it Milan could have killed the game off within the first 20 minutes within the first 20 minutes those two chances for <laughs> Leao any other day the man puts the ball in the back of the net um so so that was that that is probably why 
Pioli would be so frustrated after a game like that mm-hmm. because it's not that Torino were the better side throughout. It's that Torino took their chances and Milan didn't. Milan outshot Torino. Milan had more pos- possession than Torino. Milan essentially won on all fronts except for the scoreline. Um, I found the triple substitution to be a bit rash, which isn't usual of Pioli to react in such a bombastic way at, at halftime. Now, yeah. I understand that taking out Leao over a longer period of time would put the man in his place. Like, mm. get your head in the game. This is what happens if you don't. And I, I get that. I respect that. Milan's two best players offensively at the moment, creatively, are Leao and Brahim. Yes, agree. Take out one or the other. Don't take them both out. And, and he essentially changed the way that Milan get the ball forward because they get mm-hmm. the ball forward through overlaps on the left-hand side and playing the ball to Leao and letting him do his thing. Or else recently, Brahim Diaz going down marauding runs down the middle. Milan suddenly lost those two freaks of nature. Suddenly. And that just... Milan were such a weaker side in the second half. A two-goal deficit and suddenly Milan are a severely weakened side. And just didn't sit right with me. When I saw those changes, I wasn't confident that anything was going to happen from <coughs> Milan's side. And nothing happened. A freak moment. Yeah. And, and Messias had an empty net after he threw a motherfucker to the ground. Like I don't agree with the changes that were made. Um, I I don't think that Pioli's substitution of Leo was purely punishment. Um, I think that he might have had the Champions League encounter in mind to the game against Salzburg at San Siro on Wednesday. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a fair point. I, and I think it it rings true for Brahim Diaz as well. You know, I mean, it was an uphill battle. Maybe Pioli thought that it could be a draw could be achieved with the men. Uh, at his that was deployed, yeah. Of course, it wasn't the case at all, and I'm really surprised because in the first 20 minutes, Milan had the opportunity to blow Torino out of the water completely. Yeah. Um, Origi would get the ball, hold it up, you know, and, and if you notice through Milan's attacks, Origi was nowhere to be seen. Mm. He was holding the ball. He was playing quite deep during the transition. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked the way he was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Diaz was amazing in the first few minutes. It's just again, Leao, man, and and it's not even like. I don't even know. How do you miss a chance like that when when you you just need to finish? You you can't even... Yeah, you afford to take a touch. And Leo loves to take a touch before finishing. Like Definitely. I don't know. He seemed distracted. I don't know what yeah. was wrong. Maybe the, I guess the, it was one of those days. Yeah, I think the chances came too early, which was very rich considering <laughs> he scored a goal in 10 seconds against Sassuolo a couple <laughs> of seasons ago. But I genuinely think the chances came too early to Leo. He hadn't grown into the game yet. And, and then when he did grow into the game, he was just shooting from everywhere. Exactly. That's what fucking... And, and then two things threw me <laughs> off about Leao's performance, with barring of the obvious misses. But it's it, it almost seems like at times he thinks he's... Not at times. The man thinks he's bigger than the club. The man is, it, it feels like he's the sensation of the club, which he is. Like getting the ball on his left, from miles out, the ball's wobbling all in front of him and he takes a shot, he essentially <laughs> sends it into the stands, sends it into the curva, like. And then another time, Milan just conceded, he grabs the ball and, and, and attempts to dribble past the entire team, gets the ball taken off him instantly. It's just, 
at at times his attitude is is very very frustrating and we don't talk about it because it comes with a bunch of pros yeah. a bunch of pros it comes with but it's the uh, ego right i yeah. mean you have to think you're the best to become the best exactly it's, it's as simple as that mind over matter as a man thinketh read it <laughs> what did you think of the kate Laris performance um raw on. Raw, yeah, <laughs> raw. I mean, the guy isn't gonna. Uh, this isn't the season for him, especially no. in the first half of the season. Maybe in the second half of the season he'll get going, but there's obviously going to be a transition phase. You no, know? um, a period of adaptation. It's obvious. He's a young guy playing in a massive league with a fuck ton of pressure. Yeah, he had a massive price tag for Milan standards. That, um, you know, you would assume if you're going to spend that amount of money, you're going to bring in someone who's going to make the difference. It's not true. This is an investment, a long-term investment. Um, granted, he, you know, the, the idea might have been that he can contribute this season, but he, he can still contribute this season. He just has a lot of pressure, and I feel like it's finally getting to him. The way he's been playing, man, even the... The selfishness he's been demonstrating. I tell he's desperate for a goal. He's desperate yeah. to get going. He's desperate to shut out the noise. Uh-huh. And, and especially since Brahim is performing the way he is. I mean, in the beginning of the season, when, when the Keitelara was coming on, he straight up looked better than he looks now. And everyone was kind of raving about him, saying how raw mm. he looks, how good he looks. He was getting more minutes than Brahim. And then suddenly Brahim flicked the switch. Everyone loves Brahim. Everyone hates the Ketelare. But that just goes to show how stupid everyone was because these are the people who hated Brahim up until like three weeks exactly. ago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so that's it. It's it's moments in, in football that get the masses talking, that at least that's get the, the casuals talking. The fact of the matter is Brahim needed serious competition. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's the most important point. He here. got serious competition and he stepped the fuck up. Yes. Now the Ketelare needs to step the fuck up And he's getting used to the league And he's gonna get there I was hearing people telling me The Ketelare looks like he's a hockey player That attempted football <laughs> Sure, maybe he looked like that in this <coughs> in this game But bear in mind He wasn't the only guy that had a terrible performance Fucking Leao had a shit performance It's true The best player in Serie A last season Yes um, We'll see what happens with the Ketelare I just hope that... He manages the pressure well. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Milan currently sit in third with 26 points, while Torino have climbed to ninth with 17 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Verona 1, Roma 3. So Verona still struggling. They were coming off a 2-1 loss to Sassuolo here, while Strom were coming off a 1-0 loss to leaders. Napoli at home. And uh, midweek 2-1 win in Helsinki. Um, Verona won their last two games at the Bentegodi against Roma coming into this match. So pressure is on for Roma. And for Verona to make it a third. The last time I believe they had made it a third, I had read this stat, but I didn't put it in because it was too particular. It was in like 1985. Whoa. Last time they beat Roma three times in a row. These stats are the best stats, bro. These very particular ones. You love them, you I adore them. them, you're an encyclopedia. 
So for Verona, it was a 3-4-1 formation with Montepo in goal, <coughs> Ceccherini, Gunter and Davidovic at the back, De Pauli and Faroni as the wing-backs with Veloso and Hongland the double pivot, Tamez and Callon flanking Henri. If you've never heard of Callon, he's a Sierra Leonean forward on loan from Genoa and he's only mm. 21 years old. Well, he stayed in Serie yeah. He joined um, Genoa, I, th- I believe, late last season. Okay, and then they loaned him out to a Serie A team. Like, get, get cool. Serie A experience, we'll be back next yeah. year. <laughs> For Mourinho's Roma, 3-5-2. Patricio on goal, Mancini, Smalling, Ibanez at the back, as classic as it gets. Karsdorp on the right, Zalewski on the left, with Kamara, Pellegrini and Cristante in the middle. Abraham and Zaniolo up front. So... To start things off very early on, Tammy rounded the keeper and hit the post miss of the season so far, by the way. Definitely. The fact that he had time and space after he dribbled the goalkeeper and he still didn't manage to get the ball into the back of the net is ridiculous. You said, and you have a, a popular snippet that says if he shot John Lennon, John Lennon would be 83 today and <laughs> really hit the nail on the head over there. Um Shortly after, he then missed a header dreadfully. Um, he just needed to hit the target at this point. It was a, a dirty, whooping ball coming in. Had the man gotten his head behind the ball and just aimed it goalwards, he would have scored. And yeah. unfortunately, he made that total, a total mess of it. Abraham's expected goals is three times higher than the goals he has actually scored this season. Madonna. So had he scored those chances, he would be in the, you know, Capo Cannoniere race. Exactly. But he's nowhere near there. He's scored two goals so far. Exactly. XG of six point something. That's crazy. That's crazy. crazy. I don't like talking about XG, but when you put it like that, man. I like I like man. XG as a stat. I think it's quite fair. Because it looks at uh, every chance kind of individual. Uh, uh, yeah, you know? that's true. In the 27th minute, Farone's long-range strike deflected off Davidovic and into the back of the net. It counted as a Farone assist and a Davidovic goal. Um, brilliant stuff. Davidovic is all happy. Yay, yay, yay. Nine minutes later, he studded Zaniolo in the thigh and got sent off. So, shortly lived over there for Verona and for Davidovic. Suddenly now, after leading Roma 1-0 at the Bentegodi, third time in a row, they're looking to beat them. Now suddenly they have to play another hour with 10 men. And in fact, shortly after, just before halftime in the 46th minute, Nicolo Zaniolo scored, ending his goal drought. Um, so it was Kamara that dispossessed Tamez in a dangerous area, played it to Abraham, who, you guessed it, hit the post. <laughs> it fell to Zaniolo, who slotted it in. Goal drought over, Roma right back in it. That was the second time this game that Tammy hit the post. And last season, he had a stat where no one in the world hit the post more than him. It was him and Messi, I remember. I remember that. He even tweeted about it. Yeah. Like, God damn. (laughs) In the second half, Matic's header after a Pellegrini corner hit the woodwork. So Roma were really knocking. However, and then in the 88th minute, Matic's pass from the byline found Volpato just outside the area who placed it into the bottom corner. Ball was like wobbling all around, but it did go into the bottom corner and it was another goal for Volpato against Verona. He got his Mm. first goal against Verona. uh, He got his first goal for Roma against Verona last season. Christian Volpato, what a legend. 
And then in the 91st minute, just to rub salt in the wounds as if they didn't just get a late winner, Stefan El Sharawi scored a fantastic goal and it was a Christian Volpato assist. He released El Sharawi, who rounded the keeper by chipping the ball over him and finished into the empty net. 3-1, Roma, what did you make of this game, bro? I thought that without the red card, Verona could have actually taken something from this game. And they almost did take something from this game with the red card too. Yeah. Um, I thought Roma didn't look convincing at all, especially with their finishing man. Like, what what more do they have to do to Abraham? Like, they can't keep putting him in these situations and he keeps missing, man. It's It must be so frustrating for Mourinho because he understands that he has players like Zaniolo, players like Dybala that are capable of doing a whole load of work. But one thing they need to brush up on is their finishing. This is more applicable for Zaniolo than it is for Dybala. But you would think that having a player like Tammy, who has a year of experience at Roma in the Serie A, broke records as a, as a debutante in the league, Englishman in the league, and, and and he drops it as well. He drops the ball as well. And he's not setting a good example for his teammates. You bring in Belotti, who is a Serie A hero, a Serie A god, mm-hmm. guaranteed goals in the Serie A, who's also struggling for goals right now. It just seems there's a bit of a theme with Roma where they're struggling for goals. What does that come down to? Because it's not simply down to Tammy Abraham, man. It's down to Tammy Abraham's confidence. It's down to Belotti's confidence at the moment. Time Abraham's issue is a purely confidence, I believe, right now. Mm. How do you? It's psychological. How the fuck do you miss those chances, yeah. man? As a professional, a paid professional, you know, he's putting those in in training probably every single day. Literally, every day in I'm training, sure, they're probably man. saying, Your time will come. Time, look at you. Look at you. You're scoring all these chances. Like, then he gets on the stage and he fucks it when exactly. it matters the most. Yeah, and more in your benches him because he's relentless. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't exactly. give up. Calls him shit on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Tough love, baby. Yeah, these idiots make a TikTok about him. (laughs) Goes kind of viral. (laughs) But um, still about Roma. We mentioned recently that no matter what the fixture is, whether they get three points or they always struggle, no matter who it's against, no matter by what margin they win. And now just putting this game into context, this proves us right because they were against 19th place Verona who have been struggling. Against 10 men. Yeah. Against 10 man, 19th place, Verona. And they still struggle to get the three points. It took until the 88th minute, man. Exactly. Then the 91st minute goal was because Verona had committed men forward. Exactly. Of course. But yeah, um, Roma got lucky in this one, I believe, with that with the red card. I have to say Salvatore Bocchetti's Verona do look better. Mm. It's a shame uh, Davidovic scored and immediately... Said, my my work here is done. Exactly. <laughs> Red card exactly. immediately after. And it was such a rash one as well. His his foot was so high, man. Studs showing yeah. like crazy. And it took VAR because it all happened so quickly. Zaniolo, like you do that to Zaniolo, you must want to fuck him up. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, Volpato got a goal and assist in this game. Do you know he's Australian born and he can still represent Australia if he wants? Really? Uh-huh. Okay. So what happened was... He had been called up for Australia, but he didn't end up making it because he was busy or some shit. He was busy. Same thing happened with Italy. He got called up and he didn't make it. 
And then Australia's like under 19 team or something lost a game terribly, had a terrible performance, and he posted a video on social media kind of poking fun at the Australian national team. Mm-hmm. And then he got called up for Italy under 19 and he showed up for them and he has two appearances for them. But the fact that he kind of poked fun yeah. at Australia, <laughs> like he called them up, never showed up. Look at these guys, they're shit. Like, <laughs> it's a good opportunity for him, man. How is this guy just not showing up to international call-ups and like a free... Nah. No, I think the club wouldn't send him. I think the club uh, would need uh. him. Like the, the club can't technically choose to do that because they're full-time employees yeah. um, even on the a, club. Even on a minor level, like when you're under 18? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. But probably, I mean, the guy just... Yeah, the property of the club technically. Exactly. They always need to go ahead of the club. Exactly. Now, Roma have, um, technically, again, by the way, it's three points for Roma. This is what we've been saying the entire time. They struggle, but that's another three points for Roma, bouncing back after a home loss against league leaders Napoli. But now they face Lazio, and Lazio don't have Sergei Milinkovic-Savic or Ciro Mobile. What the fuck happens in this game, man? Um, I think Roma win them game. I don't think it's going to be as straightforward because, you know, Lazio still have some useful tools there. They have Felipe Anderson, there's Pedro. They still have a few players who are capable of, of doing some damage. But I think they're missing two very key pieces over there. And Incredible. I think Roma will just beat them because of that. <laughs> they're missing their pure identity. When you think of Lazio, you think of Sergei. You think of Chiro, okay? They still have, like you're saying, Zaccagni, Pedro, Luis Alberto. They still have their weapons, but when you face a compact team like Roma, there's only so much you can do with those guys. It would be such an asset to have people like Chiro and Sergei on the pitch. I agree with you. I think Roma will get away with all three points. Um, but now that we said that, maybe we shouldn't bet on it. Like, <laughs> we know what will happen. We'll see. That's one to avoid. Derbies are just meant to be avoided when it comes to betting. That's true. Um, Verona, on the other hand, they coped super well throughout the game. You couldn't even tell that they were down to 10 men. Um, They struggled the entire season. This was one of their finer performances. But again, incapable or incapable? Incapable. Incapable of walking away with anything. That is Roma in fourth place on 25 points. Verona 19th on five points, level with Cremonese in 20th. Off we go to the naughty side of Rome, Lazio 1, Salernitana 3. Um, where do we even start? Lazio won their three home games against Salernitana and say uh, prior to this. They had only played three games against okay. Salernitana prior to this and they had won all of them. And they always scored at least three goals. Lazio. Lazio. Right? So this is kind of uh, some yeah. nice revenge for Salernitana. <laughs> a little fuck you. Yeah, the last meeting between the two teams prior to this game was at the Olimpico last season. It ended 3-0 with goals by Immobile, Pedro and Luis Alberto. Mm. Lazio had managed to keep a clean sheet in each of their previous six Serie A games. Not against Salernitana. Yeah. The pre- they yeah. were on a six-game streak without conceding a single goal. Mm-hmm. This was the best open streak in the big five European leagues. Mm. Okay, so they were on the best streak, and Salernitana just straight up ended it. Yeah. Salernitana's team is only one game away 
they were only one game away mm. from equaling their historic record streak of seven clean sheets My in a God. row collected in 1998 under Sven-Goran Eriksson. How annoying, man. Yeah, they even kept a clean sheet against Atalanta most recently, yeah. man. Which is fucking crazy. Right. Lazio lined up with a 4-3-3 formation with Provedel in goal, Marusic as a left-back, Lazzari as the right-back with Romagnoli and Casale as the centre-backs. Their midfield three was Cataldi, Luis Alberto and Vecino. With Zaccagni and Felipe Anderson flanking Pedro, who played as a false nine this game. Salernitana played with a 3-5-2 formation. Sepe in goal with Gionber, Danilo Lich and Fazio at the back. Matsoki on the right, Brother Rich on the left. Kulibali, Radovanovic and Kandreva in the middle. With Bonazzoli and Piontek up front. Yep. Um, Kandreva back as a centre midfielder. Uh, Gianpaolo was right, Gianpaolo's a goal. <laughs> So the game started off and Pedro clipped the post with some swanky moves right off the bat. Um, shortly after that, Luis Alberto gave a through ball to Mattia Zaccani, who finished cleanly under the goalkeeper's legs, the archer. This was in the 41st minute and that's when the ice was broken, essentially. Halftime came um, and the second half started with um, a knockdown by Philip Anderson leading to a big miss by Vecino. What a miss, bro, right in front mm. of the goalkeeper and shoots it straight into him. Shortly after this, in the 51st minute, there was a ball over the top by Matsoki to Kandreva, who took a lustful first touch and a gluttonous finish. What a goal. He chipped Provedel. Of course, this was our goal of the week. There was no celebration for the X, but a grin from ear to ear. Yeah, very good goal, bro. I love that goal. Insane goal. Insane goal. In the 68th minute, um, Salernitana actually took the lead. Uh, it was Kandreva's cross that wasn't dealt with well, and it was laid off to Fazio by Danilo Lich, who spanked it home. Shortly after this, <laughs> shortly after this, Vecino missed another one-on-one. Crazy, this guy, bro. Like, he's almost as bad as Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm taking the piss. But um, he really did cost them this game because they they could have been 2-0 up if yeah. it were for Vecino. And um, they could have equalized over here and come right back into the game. But it was in the 76th minute that uh, Diaz scored thanks to a brotherage assist. I love this brotherage guy. Brotherage sounds like something you'd call a bro, you know what I mean? Shana brotherage. Brotherage, all right, yeah. Um, it was a quick counter. Now, if you watch Dia and this goal from the very beginning, he, start, he started his run from the edge of his own area, mm. ran the full length of the pitch. And you get to see um, Brotherich when he squared the ball in the far post. It was a bit too long for yeah. Dia. And you can really see Dia exert himself to get to it full speed, full throttle, clatters into yeah. the fucking post <laughs> after, you know. He's hurt for like literally three seconds and he gets up and runs off celebrating. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was pretty much the game, bro. Um, a bunch of substitutions by by um, David and Nicola shortly after. Um, even more than, um, than Sarri did. Than Sarri made, which is uh, crazy. Bron, Dia, Botin, Bohinen and Villain. He brought on so on. many fresh faces that I think it was difficult for Lazio to actually... Um, play against such a yeah. high-energy team. I thought Salernitana were amazing this game, bro. 
I agree. And every single time I've complimented Salernitana, I've always complimented their energy. And it's true, they're a very energetic side, high pressure. This is what Davide Nicola expects and it's what he demands. Mm-hmm. However, in the second half of this match, I was very, very impressed by Salernitana's maturity. The way they, they were able to create play from the back, the way they were capable of moving the ball around and making the right decisions. It seems like, you know, Salernitana are... They're not just a high, savage, energetic team with a crazy shirtless curva. They're a team that can play ball. It's true, man. They really are. And I really like the structure they keep. I really like the simple way they play football with keeping the ball on the ground as much as possible. Yeah. You know, um, they focus a lot of their play through Kandrev and Matsoki, which is a fucking great thing to do, to be honest. A great idea for them. I like the way they're utilizing Kandrev by playing him close to a very energetic, basically younger version of himself in Matsoki. That's true. That's true. Honestly, wow. Like, and they've got good striking options. Bonazzoli, Piontek, Dia. These guys are special, man. They're, they're doing great things. I agree, man. And it's their work off the ball as well. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking over here and Lazio had 61% possession, but the way that they keep their shape and the way they transition when Lazio are shifting play is very impressive. It, it, it doesn't seem like th- there were no gaps anywhere. A very mm-hmm. tight, compact team, very defensive. Sure, it's what you have to do when you play a team like Lazio, but they coped brilliantly. And they even managed to injure Sergei. Was Sergei injured in this match? Um, no, he's not injured. Sergei Milinkovic Savic. He got a yellow card. Now, this was a controversial thing that occurred. Um, he. It was an unjust yellow. Yeah, he um, he tried to play the ball with the outstep of his foot. Uh, his opponent challenged him. Okay. And the referee actually whistled and gave him the the yellow card. Um, it was so harsh that in the post-match interview, Sarri said that if he had to express what he thinks really is going on, um, he would get a six-year ban. <laughs> so, of course, he's hinting at the Calciopoli. Yeah. He's hinting at corruption, you know, because essentially in that Calciopoli season, that's what Juve had been doing. Mm-hmm. They had been getting key players sent off through excessive accumulated yellows in different fixtures going yeah. around them. It's back kind of when, indirect corruption, you know? Yeah, back when Sarri was working at a bank. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> but yes, um, I don't know. I think it was just a refereeing mistake. Perhaps I'm naive. Um, Sergei took it so badly. <laughs> of course, man. He's missing you know, the derby. They're already missing three raw. Yeah. Sarri didn't play him in order to rest him for the derby, most likely. No, yeah, to... probably, man. And they he had, had to bring him on because they were losing and they fucking... He got a yellow card instead. So yeah. frustrating. Terrible. So frustrating. Yeah. Salernitana, bro, at the end of the day, they came to the capital and they beat Lazio through... With goals through uh, ex-Lazio player and the next Roma player. No, that's uh, true. Finished off by a Senegalese beast. <laughs> exactly. Amazing, man. Um, I think Vecino's clumsy misses helped them stay in the game, man. That was massive. And yeah, do Lazio stand a chance in the derby? We already discussed this pre- briefly. I mean, they, they do stand a chance. They definitely stand a chance. They're, they're a deflated side, but... Still, you look at you look at th- they're beyond being individuals, Lazio. 
they're playing Sarri ball at the end of the day. Now you remove the two, <laughs> you remove the two key pieces that that Sarri ball is, and it's and it's the support provided by Immobile and the finishing provided by Immobile and it's Sergei who manages to turn defense into attack in the yeah, blink the, of an eye. The catalyst. Yeah, but we've seen that Roma can struggle against virtually anyone. And mm-hmm. if Lazio play their cards right, then they can get a point out of the game. I don't think they'll get three, but they're capable of getting a point. Amen, brother. <laughs> Lazio are currently in fifth with 24 points, while Salernitana have climbed to 10th with 16 points. Bang the table for La Salernitana, bro. What a difference. Yes, what sir. An improvement. Yes, sir. Amazing. Look at that. 10th place. Amazing. Last year, we're already making jokes. They're definitely relegated. They're, they're like. fucked. They're fucked. Yeah. The next game we're going to be covering is Inter 3, Sampdoria nil. This was on Halloween. So Inter were coming off a thrilling 4-3 victory away to Fiorentina. Crazy, crazy scene. I think I think you had the pleasure of preparing for that match. So at least you know it inside out Yes, now. sir. There was also a midweek 4-0 win against Victoria Pilsen, um, confirming round of 16 qualification. They're, they're playing... Tomorrow slash tonight, by the time you're, you're hearing this, against Bayern Munich as, as well. But they're basically confirmed in, in second place. Sampdoria are coming off their first win of the season. And it was against Cremonese, who have yet to achieve their first win of the season. So Sampdoria were very opportunistic over there to get all three points. Now, Inter have gone unbeaten in nine out of their last ten Serie A meetings against Sampdoria. And I mean... You look at where they are in the league right now, each team, and where they are in this point in history, and you think this isn't going to be any different. Mm-hmm. Now, Inter missing Marcelo Brozovic as Lukaku made his comeback after two months out injured to score against Victoria Pilsen b- midweek, but has now picked up another injury. It's a strain in the... Now, please bear with me. It's a strain in the myocardial scar of the femoral biceps of his left thigh. Now, I didn't know thighs had biceps. Yes. <laughs> but that's what happened over there. So Lukaku was injured. He should again. be back for the Juve game, apparently. Apparently. But yeah. he did feature in this game coming on as a sub for um, Inter. It was 3-5-2. Onana and goal with Bastoni, Devry and Skriniar at the back. DeMarco and Dumfries out wide. I don't know if that was the right one. It was, it was. Dumfries. Mkhitaryan, Chalanoglu and Barella in midfield and Martinez and Zeko up front for Sampdoria. It was a special night for their coach. Um, treble winner Dejan Stankovic for facing his former team. Um, and he had to do it without Fabio Quagliarella and Harry Winks. It was a 4-2-3-1 for Sampdoria, Audero between the sticks, Berzinski, Ferrari, Colli and Amione at the back, Yepes and Villar in the double pivot with Capiatini out wide and Leris out wide, Juric in attacking midfield position with Caputo up front. Before I go into the happenings of the game, what are your takes on that lineup by Dejan Stankovic? I think we have a new terrorist to the league, my friend. <laughs> How can you play Gabbiadini on, on the right, man? I'm sorry, like... What are you trying to do? Is he trying to recreate that like Manzukic at Juve where you overpower the fullback in the air? Because like, I don't know about you, but Gabbiadini is your average kind of like target man. No, yeah. he's he's the, the type of guy, he's not going to outpace anyone. He's not going to fucking charge up and down the wing tirelessly. No, he has, he has zero qualities of a winger. Yes, exactly. No qualities it's, it's bizarre. 
And you look at a team who struggled so much in transition to get the ball forward with these aging players like Gabbiadini, Caputo, Quagliarella. Exactly, like Juricic as well. And what's he doing now? He's getting these washed up strikers and putting them in midfield. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Legend. So, to get into the happenings of the game, it was very, very straightforward. For Inter over here, they opened the scoring in the 21st minute, thanks to a header by Devry after a Hakan Chalanoglu corner. Um, In the 44th minute, Nicola Barella scored a wonder goal. It was a long ball by Bastoni, lobbed into the air. Um, It put Barella clean through on goal, but he had to control the ball excellently with one leg, and then he finished into the top corner with his other leg. Fantastic, amazing, fantastic goal. Very, very wow. (laughs) Very, very wow. Very wow. It was then the 73rd minute that Joaquin Correa decided to turn into a prime Teo Hernandez. (laughs) Collected the ball from deep into his own half, just charged the ball forward, found himself just outside the area and counted the ball into the top corner. 3-0 3-0 for Inter. I mean, we know they've struggled this season, but this should have never been a match where they struggled. Um, what did you make of their performance? No, super convincing. Eh? Um, I mean, Inter have their injuries as well, you know, and they they continue to to build on, on their performances after their losses to, to Lazio and who else was it? Um, there's Lazio, Milan. Milan as well. Lazio, yeah, and, and Roma. Yes, and Udinese. Udinese, exactly. exactly. Um, they've since, you know, really turned up the tempo. Um, I'm sure their exploits in the Champions League have helped their confidence. But, you know, without Brozovic, before they were barely recognisable. Now they put in Shalanoglu over there, or Aslani, and they're doing quite well in that role. Mkhitaryan seems to be settling in nicely as well. Yep. Zeko is a more than a capable enough replacement for Lukaku at the moment. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yes, I, I I agree. And looking at Inter's performance over here, obviously with a pinch of salt because their opposition is one of the worst teams in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle to think, I, I struggle to imagine them struggling this season. And it's hilarious because, like you said, they they've lost all three points on four different occasions. All like three three of those teams were teams that finished underneath them last year. Mm-hmm. Udinese and Roma were nowhere near Inter's level last year. So then you see a game like this by Inter and it's just, they look so dangerous. They still, alongside Napoli, I would say have the most diverse way to score goals in the league. The most diverse way mm-hmm. to attack. Because they can come from anywhere, right? Exactly. They're, they're long crosses from, from out wide, playing the ball through down the middle. Set pieces, overlaps, center back long balls, center back long balls, center backs with the header. Mm -hmm. They have so many tools at their arsenal. They're so well equipped, and they're still very much a threat, man. For sure, they they still are a threat. For sure. You look at the games they lost. They were against top seven teams and and Udinese. Still terrible. You don't want to lose Mm -hmm. all those games. You would, if you want to win the league, you want to lose. A total of four matches, if even. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they've already lost those and, and we'll see how they are moving forward. To be honest, I don't think there's too much else to address in this game. We'll mention Lukaku's injury. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to mention what happened in the stands. Oh, and what happened in the stands 
as well. So let's start with Lukaku's injury. Mm-hmm. Um, is it that devastating for Inter at the moment that, that Lukaku is out for another couple of games? Yes. Okay. Because when he's coming back against Juve, right? Against Juve, yeah. Um, I mean, no, no, it's not. It's not devastating. Had he been out for longer, it would have been devastating. But no, no, he's. They're gonna be fine right now. Zeko and Martinez are doing just fine, and I think they have a few Primavera boys there who can help them mm. fill in um, if the going gets tough. But um, I think that want him around more for his own sake sooner rather than later because I think that he needs to start scoring and he needs to fucking find himself and rebuild his confidence, man. Yeah, and he's not gonna do that out injured. I think I, exactly. I think that's where it gets devastating that the man isn't gonna get minutes mm-hmm. and minutes for him to get used to the game again and for him to get fully fit again. I mean, um, he got injured from playing the game. There wasn't yeah. a tackle or anything like that. He got he got injured from. Being back, being on the pitch, and moving. So, he needs oh, crap! <laughs> <laughs> so he he definitely needs needs more of that. Now to address something a bit different that that happened in this game and something that really didn't didn't sit right with me. It just pissed me off. Yeah. So, Inter have this head of the curva kind yes. of this elite curva member. Um, he is also a criminal that was convicted for 25 years. And when Inter play at the San Siro, he's not even allowed within a two kilometer radius of, of the, the pitch. Stadium, yeah. He's a dangerous man, essentially. During the game, he passed away. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. He was murdered. He was murdered. He was ambushed and killed. He was ambushed and killed yes. during the game. The Curva got to find out about this. The Curva marched out and they demanded that every inter-ticket payer does the same out of respect. Yes, apparently, like, even to parents with their children, they were telling them, like, get the fuck out of the stadium. I'm going to slit your throat. Do you know who I am? And these are, like, mostly, apparently, 25-year-olds and even younger, like, teenagers saying this stuff and doing these things and they created a really hostile environment and they managed to really empty out the stadium man early on before the game was well done, even man. halfway done like petrifying man petrifying you take your kids to watch to watch inter a little boy little girl that just wants to see their heroes play on the pitch and you get these madmen mm-hmm. these madmen Telling you to fucking get up and leave, like. But you have left, man. You fly to Italy to watch your team. You know you're there. I mean, bro, it's easy for me to sit here on my fucking big juicy ass and say (laughs) I I wouldn't have fucking left. You know what I mean? But when you have people with face tattoos screaming in your face, telling you to fuck off or they're gonna fucking kill you, Mm. I probably would have left, eh, man? Oh man, it's so hard. It's, I would it's, have probably left as well. Fuck it, man. Or, or I would have just maybe gone away from them or tried to go to another part of the stadium where they were. But I doubt that was an option. I'm sure mm. they were just fucking forcing people. The, these are, these at, at the end of the day, a large group of men. Yes. That, they're, they're the curva. We they're know gangsters. the Milan curva. Ex- gangsters. They're gangsters. Uh, yes, essentially. I mean, their leader did time. These guys are criminals. Yeah. You, know? you look at yeah. the Milan curva, uh, the, the same, you know? It's just... But then you look at the Milan curva, for example. Now, tell me if I'm being naive. They're fair. 
Exactly. Yeah, they've no. never, they've never kicked no. their own fans out. They appreciate the fans. They understand that the fans are very important to the team. Exactly. Apparently, Inter don't get that. And and or I maybe see. they saw Gabbiadini on the wing and they were just <laughs> like everyone out. It doesn't matter. We've got this. I always thought that Milan's curva, and I thought this about the curva in general. But after reading this, I was like, maybe not. Curva, the curva are a representation of the supporters. Mm, yes. Of when, their morals, of their values. Exactly. Like that. What happened when Milan fans stormed the pitch at Sassuolo at mm-hmm. the Mape when they won the league? And they delayed the trophy celebration. Exactly. The Curva mm. were pissed off with them. They exactly. gave them a little slap on the every, head. Don't fucking do that. Every fan coming back into the stands got a massive smack in the head from exactly. a Exactly. Okay, there's a way and there's a way, but uh, it, it shows their intent. It shows that, that they want to discipline and that they want to do good by their club. Yeah. Hey, what are what are these gangsters doing, man? I don't know, man. I just think there needs to be more security. Of course, this can't happen. You Absolutely can't. not. There needs, and apparently, the minister of sport or some shit mm. is looking into it. Okay, r- r- rightly so, because I was that was, was fucked, fucked up. It pissed me off when I read it. It did, man. It did. Like we know a couple of really sweet Inter fans. Uh-huh. Can you imagine Grima at the game? Oh like <laughs> they kicked me off, man. <laughs> Allah. Shout out Grima. Shout out Grima. Rest in peace to the dead criminal. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. <laughs> he lived a great life. Um, yeah. I'm sure he made more people happy than sad. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know where I stand. With, well, I know where I stand firmly against. But just a very weird situation. Inter are in sixth on 24 points, they're level on points with Lazio and one behind Roma, while Sampdoria are in 18th, one point ahead of Verona and Cremonese. <laughs> Do you hear that, bro? It's time for Lechenil, Juve 1. <laughs> All right. The previous encounter between these two teams was a 4 0 victory by Juve in yeah. 2020. Oh. Okay, back when Lecce were in Serie A, of course, and Juve were a little bit better, to say the hmm. least. Lecce have won four of their 33 matches against Juventus. The last one that they won came back in February 2011. Hmm. The goals were scored by Mesbach and Bertolacci. Oh my God. Two Milan legends. Yeah. Since Mesbach. then, three wins for Juventus and two draws at the top flight. Before we start, I want to read out um, Juve's injury list going into this game. So they had Pogba, Chiesa, Di Maria, Vlaovic, Paredes, Bremer, Deschilio, Danilo, Rugani, Locatelli, Ake and Caio Giorgio all out injured going into this game. That is a crisis, right? At the end of this game, they also lost Weston McKenney and Samuel Lilling Jr., the 19-year-old English Superstar youngster, but yeah, um, not That's, not good times for Juventus at all. They're so unlucky right now. They have more than eleven starters over. There. Yeah. I didn't think that was possible, but they they do. <laughs> That's crazy. <coughs> Falcone and goal for Lecce. They played their usual four-two-three-one formation with Gallo and Jean Dre as the fullbacks, with Baskerotto and Pongracic at the back. Hulman and Blin were the double pivot. Strefezza on the left, Uden on the right, Gonzalez behind Cisse. Now for Juventus, it was Szczesny in goal, or was it? I don't know. 
<laughs> I didn't really witness a left tree attack. It's true. Quadrado on the right, Sandro on the left with Gatti and Danilo as the center back duo. Sule on the right, Costage on the left, Rabio and Weston McKenney. Miretti as the Czechoartista this game and Milik up front. Now, yes, so in the first half, it took up until I believe it was the 32nd or 36th minute, something like that, for Juve to have their first shot on target. Um, Lecce didn't have a single shot on target all game. And the most interesting thing about the first half actually was um, the yellow cards handed out yeah. to Juve at um, pretty much six minute intervals. Um, Miretti was the first to get a yellow card in the 12th minute. In the 17th minute, Quadrado got a yellow card. In the 23rd minute, it was Milik. In the 29th minute, it was Gatti. Uh, Miretti was actually lucky to stay on the pitch because it was two-footed, studs up. My the God. only thing he had in his favor was that he wasn't going at a ridiculously fast pace. Mm. So it wasn't as dangerous. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, um, the goal <coughs> came in the 73rd minute through a Nicolo Fagioli curler. What a goal. The assist was made by Samuel Elling Jr., who had just come into the game. This was a goal of the week contender as well, in my opinion, bro. Yeah. Fagioli, what a goal. It was a perfect mm-hmm. curler uh-huh, maybe over, under the radar, over and round the keeper. His yeah. first goal for Juventus, you could see, he fell into his teammate's arms crying with joy. Yeah, I mean, it's his, it's his fucking dream. You know yeah. what I mean? The closest um, Lecce got to scoring was in the 88th minute and they would have equalized when Hulman took a shot after a set piece um, and it eventually hit the crossbar. Uh, the post, sorry, not the mm. crossbar. But yeah, bro, this was a fucking snooze fest and a half. Uh, this was a Juve team who were super depleted. Mm-hmm. Has to be done, though. They got the job done. Clean sheet, three points. Exactly. They move. They exactly. Move. That's they that's move. what I was going to say. This is one of the occasions where I would applaud Allegri for taking that stance, mm-hmm. for taking that play style, for being more conservative, for not attacking much, for basically playing boring-ass football. Because you're playing a Lecce side that, from, from the last game, that they're capable of getting points and from doing something. Um, they went in, Juve, with a very, very, very fucking depleted squad. And all that too is that to ensure they have to get away with three points. No excuses. We have to get away with yeah. three points. And that's exactly what they did. And it took a wonder goal by Fajoli. And it didn't look like they were going to score mm-hmm. any other way. But it came. It came from a youth product. I would say Juve should walk away happy with this. For sure, man. Especially the the guy who scored and the guy who set up the goal were the two substitutes, the two young guys. No, the future of yeah. Juventus. Um, the present isn't looking great, but the future sure is, man. Even Miretti is a very good player who plays, who played behind Milik this game. Mm-hmm. Um, though I have to say that it was not a very good move by Allegri to pop Miretti in here. He often looked isolated at times, and he didn't quite look up to, up to scratch for it. I pr- I prefer Miretti in a deeper role personally, like even as a mezzala, that's fine. He just needs to have options in front of him to play the ball. Exactly. Well, we normally. Should this be a long-term thing, he should be fine because he has Vlahovic runs off the ball alongside Arcadius Milik as well. So he has two very hungry horses ahead of him. But in this case, just Milik by himself, everyone around him is a little bit lost because of the amount of changes in the team. It wouldn't be too harsh on him. I really see um, Fagioli and Miretti kind of being like a Gavi and Pedri 
for mm. for Juve in the long run. Yes. I think if you get a a more progressive manager, they would really for Juve they would really try implement that man. For sure, I mean that they'd be playing more certainly. I mean right now, Allegri's hand is forced, and mm-hmm. these youngsters are re- are rewarding him to be honest. <coughs> Sorry about that. Gatti bro is a player who impresses me greatly. He's the guy who went from Serie A to Serie B to Serie A in three seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. He's, he played a fantastic game this game. Um, Keane yeah. came on and had a few good moments. Bonucci came on for six minutes, bro, and looked terrible. But Bonucci has been looking kind of awful, man. Of Bonucci has um, depleted astronomically, and um, his, you know, he came on and and he had a few moments where he should have cleared the ball out of the area with his head, and instead he cleared it upwards. Yeah, man. It's... Like he's done, bro. And they say <laughs> he's the he's the last one from that team that made the the Champions League final. What yeah, was it? The, uh, the 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 last one out of that squad that played against Barca and that Champions exactly. League final or against Real. I think Real was yeah. more recently. Yeah, so it must be Barca. But yeah, he's the last one. No, Real. Must be Real. It must be Real, sure. The it he shouldn't even be there. Like like I, I don't think he's quite good enough. I think it should be maybe a substitute defender, a backup figure, a locker room figure, right? A bit of a a bit of a Zlatan. Yeah. So to say. Yeah, yeah I don't think there's there's much more that Bonucci can bring to the game mm-hmm. for you, but they'll hang on to him because of the depleted squad. But I think we'll see him out at the end of the season. Paul Pogba has um, suffered another injury. Uh, I believe it's a muscle injury. Um, just as soon as he had recovered in time to make the World Cup, he had opted for the short-term surgery solution, which would actually enable him to to play the World Cup while risking relapse. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry to hear that about Pogba. Poor him. Yeah, poor him. Mm-hmm. I hope he makes it back for the mm-hmm. World Cup at least, like because he's he's very. He's not. He's not. He's watch. missing the World Cup for sure. Oh, he's yes, missing. Yes, the World he's Cup missing the World sure? Cup for sure. Yes, yes. Oh fuck! Yeah, World Cup without Pogba. But yeah, um, I have a note over here, bro. Juan Cuadrado, the captain who never passes. Yeah, it's so true. Like the guy is so selfish, especially in in front of goal. The place where he needs to pass the most because his finishing is so wayward. And it's strange, right? Because he wasn't always like that. Not at all. Not at all. It's like the worse the team gets, the more selfish he becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he wants to stand out. Yeah. I don't know what it is. At the end of the game, there was a bit of an incident. Um, I don't know if you noticed it. Pin- with Pinsolio. You know Pinsolio, the backup goalkeeper? Mm-hmm. The guy who was bald, got a hair transplant, had really thick hair, and now he's balding again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He, yeah, apparently he's a hoot, by the he's, way. Uh, he is hilarious. Apparently, like, like <laughs> first of all, there are many Twitter accounts like named after him, like mm. Pinsolio's hairline or shit like that. <laughs> They're hilarious. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo joined Juve and became his best friend. Uh huh. He's yeah, everyone's yeah. best friend. He's a Pinsolio. good guy, apparently. There was footage of him like holding Fajoli, restraining him and talking to him in his ear while Fajoli's looking irritated. Apparently, at the mm. end of the game, Fajoli went to like salute the the fans. Mm. The away sector And He stopped him He stopped him And told him Don't go Okay And that's the story That's what's going on Apparently Now what's Not your take Not the this? curva Yeah don't Don't approach the curva Probably I guess He's trying to protect him Because um, Right now The The Juve team Is under fire There's tension With the fans But at the end of the day If Fajoli apl- Approaches them He's the hero of the day 
he's the promising youngster. He's going to be applauded. No. Yeah, you can't take that moment away from him. Hey, I but think, he totally did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think rather than protecting him, it's more of a out of respect to your teammates and to your team who's under fire. You don't deserve to enjoy this moment because of everyone else that is suffering from the abuse that the Kurva is giving them. So it's like we as a club aren't approaching them. So you can't approach them either. I guess. I don't know, bro. I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I think maybe it would be just on the off chance that the fans boo them. He doesn't get taken aback or say something and end up in an altercation with someone, you know? It could be. I don't it know. It could but, be. But, but also the, the curva of Juve have been singling out certain players. Yeah. And maybe out of respect for those, then he wouldn't want... Then they don't go applaud them. You know what I mean? No representative yeah. of the club should applaud them in that case. Exactly. Maybe it's something exactly. like that. Maybe. But anyway. Um, I don't know if there's anything you'd like to add about this game, brother. No, I think Juve did what they had to do. I think Lecce tried their, tried their best, but there's only so much you can do when a team is basically sucking the life out of you for 90 minutes. And that's what Juve did well in this game. Yeah. Lecce are currently in 17th with 8 points, while Juventus are 7th with 22 points. Speaking of snooze fests, this was another kind of snooze fest. Not because it was a nil-nil, but because of the lack of action. It's Cremonese nil, Udinese nil in the Eze derby. So Cremonese were coming off a disappointing loss to Sampdoria, whilst Udinese coming off their second defeat of the season, and it was at home to Torino, um, 2-1. Torino. Doing bits, huh? Yes, taking sir. down, taking down the big boys. <coughs> Cremonese lined up with a three-four-one-two formation. Carnesecchi in goal with Lashoskvili, Bianchetti, and Aiwu at the back. Valerio on the left, Sir Nicola on the right, with Ascasibar and Meite in the middle. Pickel just ahead of them, Okareke and Dessers up front. For Dinesa, it's three-five-two. Silvestri in goal with New Perez, Bijol, and Ebosse at the back. Pereira and Dodgy out wide with Sandy Lovrich, Wallace and Arslan in the midfield. Uh, Delefeu and Isaac Success up front. Not much of a play-by-play, -play, but there were some good saves by Silvestri and Karnasecki to keep it level. Especially Silvestri with his fingertip save on Buona Iuto. You remember that one, bro? Super acrobatic. One, bro. And I remember you said, like, um, what's he doing diving like that? The ball was going out, like, yeah. And then the replay came, and he just got this mad fingertip save to it. The ball was clearly going in, and superb save by Silvestri. Um, do you think Karnasecki is better than Radu? It's up for debate. I think it's a worthy one. Karnasecki has a higher ceiling than Radu. I yeah. think he's a more valuable asset than Radu. Um, do I think he's currently better than Radu right now? I think they're quite similar. I think that um, Radu has had fantastic displays this season in Serie A. Mm -hmm. He has also had way too many yeah. goal-costing blunders for, mm -hmm. for the, like three this season De already. Detrimental De blunders. Detrimental blunders, yes, that's it. Like the Fiorentina one, for example, was... Opening game was, of the season. Fuck me, man. His teammates must have fucking hated him, man. Mm -hmm. You know? So I don't... I don't. I see Karnasecki starting as inevitable. Yeah. I think Radu pulls off saves that Karnasecki can't pull off right now. I genuinely believe that. Sometimes mm -hmm. Radu makes a save. We're like, how the fuck 
that he managed that. But then I also think Karnasek is more of a stable choice because mm. sure he won't save a fucking top corner bullet, but, but he he's might. also not gonna let in your fucking back pass. Yeah, you know what I mean. He definitely looks mature beyond his years. Eh, Karnasek, the well, way he commands loads, his area as well. Loads, and and he's got so much experience on the international stage so far. He's been Italy's number one of like the under 18s, under 19s, <laughs> under 21s. Because the list goes on and on, and I, I do believe that he'll be the next big thing for Italian goalkeepers, which is difficult because Donnarumma is probably his age, man, <laughs> if I'm being honest. No, 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 Karnasek is certainly younger than Donnarumma. Check, I really don't think so, man. I think they must be similar. Karnasek, Karnasek is 22, Donnarumma is in 22. Almost 23. What no fucking Whoa. difference does that yeah. make? You know what I mean? True. Karnasek Donnarumma doesn't sniff. have to leave his box. <laughs> yeah. the some boss, clips yeah. for PSG he just comes out tosses oh it out God. for a corner picks it up runs around with the boss he, he looks even more ridiculous than Vanya leaving, leaving <laughs> it's the it's true like. it's true he looks so weird um, yeah, yeah that is crazy actually that Donnarumma is still 23 yeah yeah and it's also crazy how he won like best goalkeeper in France last season and he had only played half of the yeah, matches was benched just, by Kehler that's just the PSG effect right of course man and yeah. um, big miss by Delafeu with the last kick of the game um, Delafeu is always the best player for Udinese by far. nine times out of ten yes. now he had the opportunity to seal it clean through one goal great fucking counter-attack Samaric carried it forward played it Kind of wide to Delafeu. Favoured right foot. Just needs to slot it into the corner. Hits it high. Yeah. Um, and it's summed up, to be honest, Udinese's display. Um, frustrated. Yeah. It, it was a frustrated attempt uh, from a frustrated man playing for a, fr- a frustrated team for some reason. I don't know what was going on. But everyone looked fed up of everyone this game. You see you my can next see- point? Udinese looked annoyed at each other. Yes, literally, bro. Honestly, well put. Like he, the amount of times I saw arms flailing, players looking at each other, then looking back at a guy like they looked. They look. It seems to be going, getting going to their heads, man. Exactly, and this is case in point. What we talk about when we say, how can this team adapt to this loss? Like, mm. that's why it's so impressive that Atalanta came back and beat Empoli after mm. they lost Lazio yes. for the first time. Because when you lose, it's so easy to just keep that momentum and, and, and carry that bad momentum and be angry with your teammates. And, oh, because he didn't pass to me then and he should have done better over mm. there. And Udinese aren't used to getting three points after three points after three points after three points. They've done that. Now they've tasted defeat. Now we see. Now we see how they can cope. And Sotil yeah. needs to keep their heads together and he needs to keep their heads straight. That's true. We'll see. This is what will show us if he deserves the manager of the month award. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Just to say something about Cremonese, um, Askasibar, formerly known as Askaki Bar, <laughs> is a great player, man. He's really good, yes. He's I, a good fucking baller. I like Askasibar. He was, oh, he, he was everywhere. Yeah. During this game, there wasn't anything particularly wow, but he won the ball back. He passed it. There was Piquel ahead of him, who was quite and good. Mate as, well. as his other midfield partner. Mm-hmm. Really good, man. Really good uh, midfield over here for Cremonese. Yeah. 
Cremonese have to be the best team to never win a game in Serie A. Like, mm. they genuinely look solid against a lot of teams. It's true. And I think they, they were very unlucky. I don't know about the any updates, like, but they, they lost Dessers this game. He went off injured. Mm. Um, I don't know who they have as a as a replacement for him, so we'll see if it's I hopefully it's not funny, I think. Maybe. Hopefully it's not too serious. Yeah. But that's pretty much the game. Um Udinese are in eighth now. Three weeks ago they were in second or third. And they're on twenty-two points, level on points with Juve. Yet Udinese are having a fantastic season and Juve are having a shit one. Hindsight. Um and Cremonese are in last place on five points. The next game we're going to be covering is Spezia 1, Fiorentina 2. Fiorentina scored exactly two goals in both of their previous say, away matches against Spezia. 2-2 and 2-1. <laughs> um, only Verona, with zero points, had gained fewer Serie A points than Spezia and Fiorentina, who gained one each. In October of 2022, coming into this game. Hmm. I repeat, so in October, um, Verona got zero points coming into this game. Fiorentina and Spezia got one point <laughs> each. So this was basically the... Battle of the, the shits. The battle of the shits, exactly. <laughs> Among the strikers in the big five European leagues, yet to score or assist a single goal in 2022-2023, Emmanuel Giazzi has played the most minutes so far. Are you surprised, man? Are you surprised? He looks awful, bro. He looks yeah. awful. And I thought I pulled off a genius 1 million IQ move taking him on Fanta Culture because he's a midfielder. Yeah. So you get yeah. an extra striker in your team. But no, bro. The guy looks and plays like a grandpa. Literally. He, he, he's so... He's so... Looks 74. Yeah. He, he looks like the type of old man that would like... Stand behind the fence Behind his netted door A netted mm-hmm. door And stand behind it like He won't go outside And he's just yelling at cats exactly. Yelling at people walking Exactly like, hey, How long you been there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so yes That's our take on Jazzy Our professional <laughs> take Dragovski was in goal for Spezia They played a 3-5-2 formation Nicolao, Kiwior and Lampado Were the three at the back Reka on the left and Holm on the right with Agudelo, Ekdal and Burabia in the middle. A striking partnership of Inzola and Jazi. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> For Fiorentina, it was a usual 4-3-3 with Terracciano in goal. Dodo on the right, Biragi on the left with Martinez, Quarta and Milenkovic as the centre-back duo. I know the he mid- played as a right-back for Fiorentina, Dodo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get you. Mandra, Agora, Amrabat and Bonaventura in the midfield with Ikone on the right, Kwame on the left and Jovic up front. Now, in the first minute of the game, there was a massive save by Terracciano. Massive save on Inzola, honestly, and this would set the tone for the rest of the game. It's just a Terracciano masterclass. Hmm. In so much better than Gollini, man. So much better. I have that as a question for you. He's so much better <laughs> so than Gollini. So Gullini. much better than Gollini. I don't know how. They looked to improve their keeper situation. just made it completely yeah, fucking exactly. worse. Like, like what are we going to buy? Let's buy this mm-hmm. guy who's barely a goalkeeper and barely a rapper. <laughs> Gollini. Glorious. 
In the 14th minute, um, Cristiano Biraghi gave one of his very dangerous corners to the colossal titan that is the six foot five Nikola Milinkovic, who headed the ball into the back of the net. In the 17th minute, Jovic set up Ikone quite nicely with a looping ball over the top. Ikone missed and Jovic hit the post right after. Um, Jovic is kind of growing into his role at 15. Mm. I think he's mm. improving. Slow and steady wins yeah. the race. In the 22nd minute, Nzola faced Terracciano again. Another massive save by Terracciano over here. And it was in the 35th minute that Spezia actually got their goal. Uh, it was a set piece that basically caused a bunch of confusion in the back line of Fiorentina and it ended up with Egdal giving the ball to Nzola, who tapped it home. He finally managed to beat Terranciano on the third clear-cut yeah. chance. Okay. Um, in the 82nd minute, there was some chaos as Nicolau had a studs-up tackle on Cabral, which actually went to VAR, the referee hadn't realized. And it was a pretty fucking bad challenge. Yeah. And he was sent straight, off for straight red, straight card, red yeah. card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of this, probably this must have been a, a leading factor in this because I don't think Fiorentina looked like they were going to penetrate. And if anything, mm-hmm. Spezia were looking very dangerous as uh-huh. well. But yeah, um, in the 90th minute, there was a bunch of chaos, man. Um, Kwame squared the ball, Saponara shot. The shot was blocked, deflected off Saponara and headed goalwards. It looked to be heading in. There was an amazing save. And then eventually Cabral got on the rebound and scored. Um, Yeah, so it was 2-1 for Fiorentina. A very good result for them. Um, Spezia put up a great fight and they would have probably got something out of this game, I think, if they had 11 men. They looked absolutely devastated at the end of the game. They felt like they did not deserve to lose that. What do you think? I mean, <coughs> they probably. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think Fiorentina definitely deserved it more than Spezia. It's just that did Fiorentina deserve the full three points? It, it was made tough for them, but they definitely persisted more. I mean, looking here, they got 27 shots away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's a team that really, really wanted a win, and a team that has been struggling. So I mean, at this point for Fiorentina, there's not much quality when it comes to the final third. No. So it's about volume. It's about exhausting your opponents. Spezia allowed Fiorentina that space, mm-hmm. and 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 Fiorentina took it. Doesn't mm-hmm. they, they? They took their chances, but they they kept attacking. They kept attacking till finally it took one of those chaotic moments for them to get the victory, and 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 they took it and they ran, and and I think they deserve props for that because I've been shit this season. Spezia have also been shit this season, but they didn't make it easy for Fiorentina, and Fiorentina managed all three points. Yes, bro, that's a very good little analysis. Um, Fiorentina, this game, in my opinion, had a different look about themselves. Um, they looked less rigid. It seemed like there was more room for creativity. There, there were less hey. of those predictable passes, you know, that take forever to build up. You know, we talk about uh-huh. the one million <clears throat> passes to get in front of goal. Exactly. They were more direct. And they even had two strikers on at the end of the game. Um, so that was that was interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Jovic is growing, as I mentioned. Fiorentina are growing. Uh, my cock is growing. That's 
so good. Uh, thanks, man. Um, that was completely improvised. <laughs> uh, no, but what I was going to say is that Jovic, bro, he had an interview recently. Uh. And they asked him, why Fiorentina, man? And he went, Fuh. He was like, I took a pay cut to be here, man. <laughs> he actually said that he said that he addressed the pay cut he took. It's massive. He was getting paid by Real Madrid. Who else would pay him yeah. that money to not score? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> two goals in 52 games. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's an accurate stat, actually. I checked it. Bravo. So, yes, they asked him, how, and he said basically that Fiorentina are a good springboard to get back to the top. I'm sure fans aren't too happy I with these words, man. I fucking so spit off. on him if he said that. About the team I support, like yeah, I, th- what's this team to you? Uh, the best springboard. I don't get why I players say for. this stuff. Probably you know why because because in their universe people say, oh my god, look at Jovic, look where he ended up, Jovic from Real Madrid to Fiorentina, what's next? Fucking Spezia, mm. like you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so probably he says these to address those people directly, but it seems like a fucking terrible idea, in my opinion. Of like, course, man. Like keep the fans in mind. If the fans love you, you're gonna have a fucking way better time. Exactly. Man. If you're gonna spend two, three years at at Fiorentina, you're gonna want them to love you. Yeah. And and a good springboard. The, he hasn't really been bouncing. Yeah. This fucking <laughs> springboard. He's lying he's, on he's it. He's still. He's he has anxiety to go up the ladder. Like at, <laughs> at this point. So. Hit the ground running, man, and then you can be a little bit, a little bit cocky. Yeah, that's it, bro. Um, Spezia, <clears throat> once again, they look okay under Gotti, in my opinion, aesthetically, like in certain moments of certain games. But they don't. They're not. They've lost their streets. Like they've lost their their street smartness about them. Street yeah. wiseness. Uh huh. Uh huh. And and it's. <sighs> Like, Spezia two seasons ago were blessed with Italiano. Last season, they responded well to a wild manager like Motta, who, who has, his, has his systems. Clear this team can adapt to a coach's style. Mm. Pardon me. To a coach's style. One reason or another, it doesn't seem like they're adapting to this style. Now, is it the, the style? I think so. I think the style adopted doesn't suit the 11 men he has in front of him. Spezia are very street smart, always. They knew the one thing is that fucking out of that bottom five, they could get points against anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they're capable of getting points against anyone at this point, Spezia. They... And this season, I think they've cemented themselves as relegation contenders. Definitely, that that they always are. They're just being <coughs> named Spets. Yeah, I believe they're they're gonna be relegation contenders. But they have nine points this season, and in the last five games they only got one point. Mm. So they actually there's a dip. Got, there's they, a dip. There, there is a dip. They started off better than they're doing now. Um, the fixtures, granted, have have become kind of tough for them, but mm-hmm. I I think they. They are relegation candidates, and they're serious ones at that. Ah, I, I think, I think this is <coughs> the most at risk that they have been in the past three years. Yes, is yes, the, yes, is yes, the point sure. that I'm making. They look significantly weaker than they did over the past few years. And then when you start looking at, then you start looking at their team, and you see the front two of Inzola and Giassi, and you say, "That's mm. fucking dreadful." And then you look at Egdal in the midfield, yeah. who you remember him at Sampdoria when Sampdoria started going to shit. 
she wasn't not great, not ideal not an ideal player to have and then the rest is okay but but nothing to nothing to write home about and they need to address this gutty issue they do need to address it because if they don't start getting points I was going to say by January, but now it's probably mm. by the World Cup is the is the yes. new saying. If they don't get a win by the World Cup, then he might be in danger. And I wonder uh, who they're facing in that period. Let's check. In the meantime, I will mention that Napoli have Milan scored against next. Juventus. In Juventus. Mm. Napoli have scored against Liverpool in the Champions League. Um, but the goal is currently being checked. Due to the fact that Ostergaard was most definitely in an offside position, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't realize yes, he was offside. Yes, he, he must have been there. Let's, Let's see what's see. happening. Uh-huh. These are live reaction, guys. Referee's taking his time. Ostergaard is there looking like a normal person. Who I like Ostergaard, man. Same. I remember he got sent off really rash last season for Genoa in the Lanterna Derby pulled the motherfucker to the ground like yeah. <laughs> close, close your mouth <laughs> my god he just went straight for veneers when he should have gotten Invisalign that guy his mouth is all over the place like mm-hmm. yeah man I think I'll fill you in in the meantime Spezia play <laughs> Spezia play Milan away next and then they play Udinese at home so bye oh. bye Miss American yeah Gotti Gotti might be in trouble he's Gotti go <laughs> that's, that's a, our podcast t- episode title Gotti go oh nice sorted nice okay um, Spezia are currently in 16th with 9 points while Fiorentina are in 13th with 13 points I don't know if he was offside. I can't see him because of Ozzy, man. Ozzy man, this right is the longest fucking VAR check in VAR history. Like, this is the Champions is. League, man. They, they, VAR is still new there. Italy is actually ahead when it comes to VAR because it was Ooh. introduced a year earlier. Did, did you see Malta had its first VAR call recently? You're kidding. Malta I, swear, actually, I swear. They're introducing VAR, actually. Yeah, it was the first VAR call How recently. does it go? Hilarious. Really? Seeing a Maltese man, like, like signaling... For VAR, like, from now on, they're going to use every excuse to check VAR, I feel. It's true, it's true. Okay, I'm just going to jump into this. We'll see. Oh, he's touching his earpiece. Just let, let's go. Let's, we'll, let's I'll go. interrupt you. Whoop, whoop, whoop. He's whoop. checking it. No, oh, offside, offside, obviously. Offside, obviously. Allah, it was fucking... If you look at the... <laughs> the red line and the green line, man. It shouldn't take you five minutes to know if it's offside. That's fucking not up for debate. It's a fact. Ma, I couldn't see him because of Osiman, though. Yeah, it's got, so funny. The good angle while you were while you were presenting, though. Respect. Monza won Bologna two. This is the last game we're gonna be covering. So Monza coming off a 4-1 home loss against Milan in the Berlusconi derby <laughs> was Bologna. Shut the fuck up, dog. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry, man, because you know after every illness comes a cold. Exactly. Get the fuck away from me. Bologna coming off a 2-0 victory against Lecce. So Monza didn't want to play this match. They wanted this match to be postponed after their defender Pablo Mari was stabbed in a supermarket near Milan on Thursday. By a madman while fucking, fucking walking with his kid in a pram and he just felt excruciating pain behind him. A guy just walked up to him and stabbed him along with six people. It, it wasn't targeted towards any people of power or any people with money or anything of the sort. 
Pablo Mari happened to be in one of these freak attacks. He was one of the six people. A totally woman had her totally throat random. slashed apparently, in and the guy was killed, him, bro. Yes, yes. In front of him, he witnessed hell, Miskin. If it were up to him, he would have been back in the team on Monday. Yeah, that's what he wanted. He said. Eh? That, that's what he wanted. The team are giving him two months to rest. Mm-hmm. I think he should take the two months to rest, but I think the team should also listen to him. And if he feels he's ready and he feels like sometimes the shit just brings a different side out of you like mm. chet baker the fucking sax player and the yeah, jazz yeah. artist he got fucked up they knocked every single one of his teeth out he took a two-year hiatus then when he came back it's like Brew! just an animal on the sax that's bro. it man Absolutely then you have people crazy. like miko you see their sister falling onto a gate Get and getting impaled, impaled and they never make exactly exactly it depends eh, how you react to things i guess exactly. it's not the experience that makes the man it's how the man reacts to the experience that makes the man brilliant i i couldn't have put it better bro i don't think miss angela of english could have put it better to be quite frank uh, it's it's interesting because he's on loan from arsenal so arsenal yeah. sent him on loan to get stabbed in a supermarket like yeah he um a shopping mall i believe he um they, the the teammates the the arsenal teammates actually held up uh, his shirt you know with like come on Pablo <laughs> Yes Pablo Go get him like Fantastic pronunciation lesson Yeah Anyways Shall we jump into the game um, So it was Monza That opened the scoring Since he was stripped by Abisher And Petania slotted in the penalty Brilliantly It was kind of like A Jorginho penalty was, Just better really. placed I <laughs> can't wait To witness this Petania 2.0 More and more in he he si- looks really fit right he now. He really does, man. He really does. And he looks happy. In the 60th minute, just on the hour, Mark Lewis Ferguson made it 1-1. It was a beautiful lofted ball by Posh. And it was finished off lovely by Ferguson. Took the ball down nicely. Mm-hmm. Finished beautifully. It was then in the 73rd minute that Orsolini just, just had to one-up Ferguson. It was another brilliantly lofted ball. This time it was by Zergze. It was taken down and finished into the top corner by Orsolini. And he screamed like an animal. He mm. scored and he went, <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It's so true. It meant so much to him. And you can see before he went on, um, Motta grabbed him from the back of the fucking head, pulled him close. And he's just like fucking screaming in his ear, essentially. Mm. Motta, he's just encouraging. He's hyping him the hell up. He was probably telling him, you're going to go out there. You're going <laughs> to score the winner. <laughs> and it happened that he couldn't believe it. Like, he was so gassed. So gassed. You know what I noticed about Motta? He sounds too much like Pioli. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, that's, I was that's on true. my phone on the sofa and I was seeing a press conference. I'm like, oh, Pioli, I love him. I look up and I see Motta. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. That's I don't Pioli. love him. Um, Orsolini has to be one of the most technically gifted shit players. That I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> He's... Two-footed, great close ball control. He also has that like explosiveness to him where he can just bulldoze through players. Exactly. He could play on the wing. He could play attacking Mm. midfield. He could probably play a bit deeper in the midfield as well. Yeah. He has never found that continuity, man, Orsolini. He's a bit form-ridden. Yes. Very, very form-ridden. And how old is Orsolini now? He must must be be 25, He must be 27 at at this stage. Orsolini age. 25. 25. 25. Okay, <laughs> fuck me. He's my age. He's a month and three days older than me. 
25 years old. I mean, he still has a future. He does, he does, he does, he does. I didn't know he was that Maybe. I, I thought last season that he needed a change of environment to, to get him going again. That's what I'm thinking right now. Because he's been at Bologna since 2018 and it hasn't really worked for him. Like, no. For a 25-year-old to have been somewhere since 2018, you'd think that they, they kind of would cement themselves as a central figure. This is exactly. someone who came from Juventus and Atalanta. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? At Bologna, since 2018, four years, you'd expect, you know, this guy to become a bit of a leader. And, for uh, sure, man. For yeah. sure. A staple figure. And, and he was that, but he's been demoted to the bench and he hasn't quite mm. seen himself. That's why this shit would mean so much. And it's, it's beautiful to see. Um, good win for Bologna. Monza aren't an easy side to beat. We saw they went on a streak of, of three victories that did change their season. Um, they're now also progressing in Coppa Italia, which is also good to see for them after they beat Udinese midweek. Our boy Luca, who sent us the voice notes about um, Bologna, uh, was at the game. And he was was just, he? Yeah, he posted nice. a video jumping and, and nice. singing with the fans. How good he saw a win like that. Yeah. He was at wait, wait the Udinese game or the, the Bologna game or the, the Bologna, Bologna game. game. He was oh, wait wait obviously the Bologna. ah yeah. la la shit sorry the Bologna um, game of course away from this home. game yeah. yes 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 how cool yeah um everyone in the world deserves to see their team win live ideally at their own stadium but it's cool to see them away from home and and, and see them win as well I've never seen Milan away except when they played Birkirkara. <laughs> I saw them against Sampdoria last season. Exactly. Uh, <coughs> and and nice. you said they had shit food in the stadium. Shit food, shit toilets. But the fans were, the Milan fans were lit that day. Of course, man. <coughs> Monza, so Monza played well, but they didn't quite do enough. I think it goes down to at the end of the day, sure, Bologna have been struggling. But then you look at the quality that they have in their team. They're still a top team. Bologna, not a top team. You know what I mean? But they should still be aiming for that 10th spot yes, with yes, the players yes, yes. that they have. And now that the manager that they have. I think so too. It's just good that they managed to, to rack up these uh, two victories, mm-hmm. Bologna. So now the, the relegation whispers can kind of quieten. Exactly. Now, shifting a little bit to Monza, what a performance by Di Gregorio. Mm. He had a great game, <clears throat> although he lost. This is the second manager in a row that has benched Cranio for Di Gregorio. It's not just a rule mm-hmm. that every manager needs to start Di Gregorio over Cranio. There were two managers and they both decided to start him over Cranio. Di Gregorio is a serious goalkeeper. Man. I don't know if I said it on the podcast back in the day, but I remember being at Dan's um, when I was dog sitting. Uh, and I don't know if you remember that I was a blur for him. I took it as a bit of a holiday. Uh-huh, I remember. I was just constantly <laughs> fucked up. Me, me and Key came over yeah. to like get a bit crazy. I shirtless, my belly out massive. <laughs> horrible. Like. Um, but yeah, I had the TV on and I was watching Monza in the, in the playoffs. Mm. And I remember thinking this Di Gregorio guy looks fucking amazing. He looks amazing. He looks amazing. And then when, when eventually Cranio was signed, I was like, what a shame, Di Gregorio. He's, mm. There's no chance like um, he's going to play with Cranio over there. But, you know, fucking Cranio's there. Di Gregorio's still starting. Manager change, Di Gregorio's still starting. He's 25 years old, man. And I can't see him being benched. Did Cranio make the correct move by going to Monza? I mean, Cranio must have not been expecting this. 
Kanye must have, he, he probably thought I'm going to go yeah. to this newly promoted team with it's going to be me, it's going to be Mateo, it's going to be Capri, it's going to be, you know, him, him yeah. and the squad. And he's being benched by D. Gregory. By some D. Gregory, who's younger than him. By three years. Yeah. Kranio's no longer a young goalkeeper. Man, Kranio's 28 years old. For a goalkeeper, mm-hmm. sure, it's a bit younger. But I would start the Gregorio right now. Mm-hmm. The performance is, he's, been, he's been putting in at 25. Now, Kranio at 28, man. His thought is, his thought must have been when he was changing mm-hmm. team. How am I going to stay in Serie A and get minutes? Yeah. It needs to be the perfect balance of staying in the league and getting an adequate amount of time. Now, I don't think that Galliani and Berlusconi bullshitted him and told him he's going to start every match. Nah. I think he was willing. said, if there's a place where I'll fight for my place and I'm likely to win, it's going to be Monza. Yeah. Otherwise, we know how great the quality of goalkeepers is in Serie A. Yeah. He chose Monza. There's this project. It's attractive. It's lucrative. He can become a legend there. He's on loan from Cagliari, turns out. I don't, I'm sh- I don't know if they have an option to buy or not, but if Cagliari come right back up, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back there, though. Huh? Probably, man. Yeah. Probably. Cagliari are a Serie A team that are in Serie B, you know what I mean? Yeah. Monza are a Serie B team that are, that are in Serie A. <laughs> I don't think they'll ever be in Serie B again, Monza, especially as long as Berlusconi and Galliani are there. With the financial backing mm. that they have, it's it's difficult. And, and now the pull factor as well. So, mm. so long as they've got people like Pessina, Sensi, Caprari, Petania, Di Gregorio, <laughs> yeah. Cranio on the bench. So yeah, but I don't think there's too much to add. I'll just tell you guys where they stand in the league and I think we can call it an, an, an early night. Huh? An early night, dude. Half, Not even half ten. Look at done. us, look at us. We'll have time to do things. Play FIFA, watch The Simpsons. Yeah. And enjoy life. Enjoy life. Bologna are in 12th on 13 points. Look at them fighting for the 10. Look at them fighting for the 10. Monza. Jesus, I'm choking. Monza in 15th on 10 points. What do you think of this episode, King? So this has been it, man. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. I'll I'll listen back and let you know. (laughs) (laughs) But we hope you guys enjoyed it. We're back. We're back for good now. We're going to be on a bit of a tight schedule in the coming weeks, but we'll make it work. Yeah, I'm going to be in Amsterdam from Thursday to Monday. So for next week's episode, I might be a little bit of a dunce. Yeah, probably. A bit, yeah, brain dead. Uh, of course, he's going to a dubstep party. Yeah, but <laughs> I might not hear anything you say. You're going to come back an idiot. You're like. going to be talking to me and I'm just going to hear... <laughs> <laughs> Jake comes back and I fuck off to Bordeaux on Wednesday and I get back on Sunday and then I have a week here You're going to Bordeaux on Wednesday going that means Bordeaux we should probably record on Tuesday right for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure oh my god it's gonna be tight but we'll do it no we'll problem. do it we'll do it and then um the week after I'm going to Firenze so nice good shit I have a week away there huh? so we need to see how we're gonna make it work no problem maybe I'll bring a guest or uh-huh we'll pre-plan yeah. we'll pre-plan Thank you guys for listening. And if you've made it this far, message us and tell us which one you think is bigger, Politano's cock or his nose. (laughs) And we'll make sure to give you our feedback. Follow us everywhere. Rate us five stars everywhere. We love you all.